Welcome to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec, where we dive deep into collegiate sports betting. This topic has become a hot-button issue in the new day of NIL, revenue sharing, conference alignment, and gambling. We pick the most highly anticipated college sports games each week, share insights, and analyze statistics before revealing where we stand. Let's get this underway. Hedging the Bet is coming to you next from the Impact Sports Studio. Welcome back to Hedging the Bet with Handwork and Rec. It is our final episode in the Impact Sports Studio for the school year. We are in finals week, and we are sad to say goodbye, but we have some fun summer plans, and we have a fun show today. And we're going to begin with Michigan State and the transfer portal news. As we all know by now, on Sunday, MSU lost two starters in the portal, and they were big ones. MSU lost quarterback Peyton Thorne and their top wide receiver in Keon Coleman. Charles Brantley had also put his name in the transfer transfer portal before deciding to withdraw Tuesday morning. These moves will have a big impact on the much-anticipated quarterback competition going into next fall between Noah Kim, Sam Levitt, and Caton Hauser. So my question for you, B-Rec... How do you think the quarterback competition between these three will look by the arrival of Levitt's return? Return. Or or arrival to campus. He's just getting here. Yes. No, um, I was able actually to reach out to him and speak to him a little bit about what he's thinking and feeling. And his opinion which started as my opinion but then became his pretty quickly, is that this quarterback room is wide open. And I said that. I I texted him. I said, hey, man, I'm glad to hear from you. The quarterback room is open. You know, what are you thinking? And basically, like in short, his response to me was, listen, I'm working on my mechanics and I'm working on shoring some loose ends up and I'm working on getting in the film room. He's prepared for an all-out battle against these guys, and it might just be that. I was able to watch each one of his publicly available tapes this week in thinking about what this so-called battle or competition might look like, and I can't see a reason why he wouldn't start other than he is a true freshman. That's the bottom of the barrel answer that you can come up with as a reason to keep him held down as a a lower echelon than the other two guys here in this conversation. And so it gets really interesting. I think it will be a three-way conversation um, conversation at the outset of fall camp. I do believe that. And I think, too, yes, Sam has not arrived. But he's coming in the beginning of June, okay? And so that gives you enough time to work it in, I think, and to integrate him. And especially, we don't know what the inside conversations are. We won't know. But what he said is that he's coming in June. He's been working on things. Oh, and by the way, the the film study on him is just outrageous. I mean, you see him making throws that are prototypical NFL throws, really. And that that may be me jumping the gun a little bit, and I'll own up to that. But I say that to say that he has a chance. And uh, I think the more 
that people hear and see, the less clear it is. And um, the one thing, like, I know what Levitt can do. I know what Kim can do. I personally don't really know what Caden Hauser can do. And I don't know who does. Someone in the room has to know. But it'll be really interesting. It's a three-way tie, though, right now. It really is. And I think the narrative is that Peyton Thorne has cut ties. He's not coming back. If he does, it would be one of the more surprising results we could see. So that's what I know. Those are my two cents on it. Yeah, it's crazy to think that a week ago on the show we were talking about the battle between the four of these guys, Peyton Vaughn, Noah Kim, Caden Hauser, and Sam Levitt. And we, uh, you mentioned Sam is expected to arrive in um, June, and that's really going to shake up this whole competition. But the most we can say is we really don't know what's going to happen. It's very unquestionable of who's going to get the starting job. It's going to be June heading into the end of August where we probably still don't know the starter for week one. Mel Tucker will probably name a starter for week one, maybe midway through August, but we will just have to wait and see Um, who that starter will be. We have no idea. Yeah. Do you think this situation has the makings of a Harbaugh two quarterback system? Could it possibly be that? The one, like the Harbaugh thing with Cade McNamara and J.J. McCarthy, I could maybe see that with a Sam Levitt and a Noah Kim. Maybe you like start these guys and you play them multiple snaps in the game uh, the first couple weeks of the season, and then you decide who your starter really is going to be. I really don't think that that will necessarily happen. Like, because I know with the uh, Harbaugh thing, it was like J.J. and um, Cade. It was like the whole season that they were trading snaps, even even up to the MSU game where J.J. fumbled um, when they put him in the game. Um, I could totally see that happening the first couple weeks, uh, definitely during the non-conference schedule between Washington, Richmond, and uh, Central Michigan. Um, but I don't see that happening in a Big Ten play. I think if we're going to know who Michigan State's starter is, I think it's going to be by Big Ten play that we know okay, this is the guy we're handing the keys to, and let's go. Mm. Yeah. And um, let's talk about the schism between Coleman and Thorne. Yeah, so Keon Coleman, um, he met with Mel Tucker in his office, like his main office at the Scandalaria Center. Um, On Monday, I I believe it was, and... This was, I don't know what this conversation was about, but this was right before Brantley decided that he was coming back. But there has been some reports that there was a little bit of an issue between Keon and Peyton Forn. So did that have a result on Peyton Forn putting his name in the transfer portal? And does Keon maybe want to go to a bigger school that he knows he maybe wants to play for a Heisman potential winning quarterback and you're not really going to get that at Michigan State with the talent that Keon has. Yeah, I think the word inside the building is that if Peyton Thorne opts to move somewhere else, the likelihood that Keon stays here 
increases greatly. That's what the conversation is now. But it's hard to justify that when you look at the national news and 247 reports as of one hour ago that Keon is being aggressively targeted by Florida State. Uh, It's hard to justify when Sports Illustrated writes that the number one transfer priority for LSU, by the way, Keon is from Louisiana, is Keon Coleman. It's hard to justify that when USC is debating offering Coleman to replace the 23rd overall draft pick, Jordan Addison. His measurables are outstanding. His effort and energy, and by all accounts, his energy uh, on a on a leadership level is something that any high-level team would be passionate about. And he led the Spartans last year in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns. Big loss for Michigan State. Huge loss. If that were to happen. Because then you look at it and say, okay, who is in the wide receiver room? Because Bernard's out, who was thought of as being a focal point. Um, Barker's out. Coleman's out. Reed is out. Yep. Mosley is out. It's pretty grim. I know. You're going to have a very young wide receiver core. And the fact that are you really going to want Coleman, who has all this talent in the world, be a one-man show? I think if you're Coleman, I think you're out of here. Um, I think you go somewhere where you have a better opportunity to win, uh, a place like Florida State or even go back home to uh, LSU or even go out to the West Coast to USC. You're going to have a much – just imagine – Caleb Williams and Keon Coleman, that would be fun. Well, right. And so look at these three options of LSU and Florida State and USC. Think about who's throwing the football to them. We are in a situation where you and I just got done talking about it, is that we don't know who's going to be throwing the football for Michigan State. We have no idea. And we won't know. And the only thing I can think of to rationalize what just happened across all levels on Thorne's level, Coleman's, and not so much Brantley's, but we'll get into that in a minute. I think what had to have happened is that you get out of the spring game with Thorne sharing reps with the other two, and somebody says... Somebody in the room, whether it was Tucker or Johnson or somebody else, looks at Thorne and says, you will not be QB1. Yep. Which would be crazy to me. I I think my money was on the fact that Thorne would be the starter at the outset of this season. And the reason was, and it's changed because these things evolve quickly, the reason was... Would head coach Mel Tucker want to chance somebody else when Thorne has been proven to work and Mel Tucker's job security is declining rapidly? Now, the hand is forced. And 
That's peculiar. I don't know. There hasn't been a whole lot of information divulged about Chuck Brantley and what his intention was and why he did what he did. But for him to go out in terms of enter the portal, receive an offer from Colorado and Deion Sanders as a corner, which is, by the way, the most primed offer, no pun intended, with Coach Prime, the most primed offer in this country for a cornerback right now. I mean, think about it this way. You could go Travis Hunter and Chuck Brantley on the other side. Yep. But he came back within 12 hours of Colorado offering him. Yeah, which is so in- insane. He, that isn't even enough time to connect with that staff and understand what is happening, yeah. what they're offering, why they see you as a fit, if you want to go. So what is Charles Brantley doing? In my opinion, it seems as if the players who didn't know, by the way, a lot of these postings we're seeing flying around have comment boards and posting boards of a multitude of players saying, what? We didn't know. Why is this happening? To me, that reads that Brantley saw the writing on the wall with these couple guys leaving and thought that the sky is falling and panicked and said, let me go see what I can get. But then somebody pulled him off the ledge and said, listen, man, you are going to be a starter this year for the third year in a row. You've made significant contribution. You should stay because, indeed, the sky is not falling. And it's that voice of reason that led him back. That's, that is purely speculative, but I can't see it any other way. Why else would you leave and come back without hearing anyone out? Yeah, I think you make a really good point on the players not knowing why Peyton Ford and Keon Coleman are leaving, or at least having the awareness that they were leaving. I think... You make a great point, and I think that might have happened. I think Brantley was like, why is this happening? I knew nothing about this. The sky is falling. I'm going to leave. And I think that's what happened. And then I think what you said, someone pulled him aside, said you're going to be a starter, and he's on his way back. And speaking of MSU and all this transfer portal nonsense and chaos that is going on right now within their program— MSU has since reached out to Alabama wide receiver Tyrell Harrell. <laughs> wow. Jade Walker, who is a wide receiver from Grand Valley State University. And then they have newcomers and Nathan Carter, who is a running back from UConn. Jaron Magum, who is a running back from South Florida. Jalen Franklin, a tight end from Wisconsin. And Armarion Smith, a safety from Cincinnati, who they just got a couple days ago. So are these moves a sign that MSU is starting a clean house and getting portal guys of their own? Um, That's hard to say. Uh, You know, particularly speaking about Jaron Mangum, he is joining Jaden Mangum. Yep. Who is his brother? Who's here? So that isn't entirely a surprise. Uh, Nathan Carter's an animal. Yeah. 
He was a potential Doak Walker the well, award winner last year before he got injured. Every single word that came out of the spring game was that it is unquestioned who the starting running back is. It's Nathan Carter. And it's Nathan Carter. So I love that. Um, yeah, you know what? I think it's the pursuit of new blood that is necessary to try and reinvigorate this place. I really do. It was in 21. It yep. was the pursuit of a weapon. And you would have to hope that with volume comes more chances at finding a weapon. That's all this is. I mean, and we'll get into it in a second, or rather down the line, but look at Colorado. And I'm not saying this for to, to you know, beat the horse dead at Colorado, but what I am saying is since December, 55 players have left that program. 55. Yeah. The NFL roster, when you make cuts, is 53. They totally cleaned house there. More than a whole football team has entered the portal. And we're out here with the ignorance to say that it's a problem when three players decided to leave and one of them came back already after a 5-7 and seven season. Yeah. Think about it that way. Would yeah. you prefer to have 55 members of your team leave or three? Exactly. And one to come back. Yeah, I think the whole like reaction around the entire fan base, I think, was... I don't want to say it was nonsense, but it was kind of comical. Well, it, listen here. It's like this. Okay? It's fair to wonder why. Exactly. But that's the extent of it. You question what is happening. But you don't make a pres- presumption about what's going to happen. Yeah. We live in a different world today than we did yesterday. As far as Jade Walker goes, dude can play. He can flat out play. I mean, his hands are really good. I, You know what? I watched him grab a couple passes across the middle on slants and stuff, sticking one hand up and uh, palming it. I, dude is a freak. But what I said to you the other day, which is still true, is, is it concerning that we're reaching f- to Grand Valley for a wide receiver? That... <sighs> That does cause concern because Grand Valley is a Division Two program. I mean, the, yes, they're one of the best Division Two programs in the country. They probably will be, at least I think there's speculations that they might actually move up to the FCS com- in a couple years. Um, but it is a little bit of a concern to go all the way down to D2 to get a transfer when maybe you should be going into D1 and if not the FCS level for a couple guys, mostly the FBS level, because um, that's is that's what's that is what is going to get you better is if you go into your own division rather than going down a division. And you know what? Maybe there's a diamond in the rough. Yeah, maybe there is. And I say that because we just had the NFL draft, and what happens every year is that, and of course, it's two different steps from. A collegiate level to another one compared to the collegiate level as a whole to the NFL. It's different. But what happens is you get players who you sit there going, they're not going to be a factor. They shouldn't even be drafted. They shouldn't be here. And then they make a roster. You go, okay, well, what happened? 
people who grade these players and assign them to a level are capable of making a mistake. Yeah. I mean, Tyreek Hill went to like West Georgia. Right. Right. And it is possible that players who didn't have the exposure and the reps and the coaching and the facilities and, 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 and in high school are miscalculated on. That is entirely possible. So maybe we're getting a second coming of somebody like, I don't know, Tony Lippett from Granville. I, you can't know. It's a gamble. But there's a chance that this thing is bigger than we think it is. Yeah. I, that's the first time I've... Tony Lippett went to Grand Valley before he went to Michigan State? No. No. But but <laughs> I was just using him as a comparison for receiver talent. That, okay. That's all I was saying. Oh, so he's like offered by Grand Valley. Is that what you're saying? What? Are you saying Tony Lippett was offered by Grand Valley? Or? No, handwork. <laughs> I'm saying... No. I'm using the comparison in talent as a player between Lippett and this kid. Okay, that's, I, I thought you for a it. second you were saying like Tony no. Lippett actually no, either no, went no, to Grand no, Valley no, or no, like no, 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 no. was recruited no, there. No, 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 no. I was no, like, no, no, that's not true. No, I'm no, I'm speaking about the comparison in their talent and the way they play. Yeah, that's it. Okay, yeah, I could totally don't, see that. Don't read into that anymore. That's, I agree with you. That's it. Yeah, that's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. Sh- shall we move on? I think so. All right. We're going to move on to Arch Manning and the NIL uh, deals that he might potentially sign in the future. So many in the Longhorn faithful are anticipating Arch Manning's arrival at Texas next season. Texas hopes that Arch can, can propel the Longhorns into a potential contender for not only the Big 12 crown, but a contender for the national championship. When it comes to the NIL deals... However, the Manning family has made it clear that Arch will not be taking any NIL offerings until he is named the starting quarterback at Texas. So do you like this approach by the Manning family, and what are you most looking forward to during the Arch Manning era at Texas? Well, I don't want to speculate about the Arch Manning era because it's not here yet. It's still at yours and it will be until something radically changes. Um, But in terms of what they just did in saying that, A, that's bold, but I would expect nothing less from this family. Just being off the wall with how they approach things. But guess what? This same family tree has generated two of the best quarterbacks of all time. Three, actually. If you consider, um, well, Archie. Yep, right? the dad. Yeah. Right. Uh, I was about to say Arch, but no, Archie. Uh, and Peyton and Eli. And if you look at that, and say, okay, well, somebody in that circle knows what they're doing, or maybe more than one person knows what they're doing, you'd have to sit here and trust the guidance of not one or two, but three different quarterbacks who went on to play in the NFL and experience ultra success. So in terms of being different and creating, like, 
when you're coming into a, a, a collegiate situation as a highly touted guy, doesn't it make sense to you that you want to self-generate reasons to want to grow? It's simple. Hold his dollars back because if he doesn't see the benefit of those dollars, he will want to more. If you look around and say, oh, look at what he's doing. Oh, check him out. Look at this guy. How impressive is that resume of financial offerings that he's achieving? If it's done healthily, that doesn't create jealousy or envy or anything. That You look at that and you say, well, I'm there too. But in order to fully get there, I need to win this job. So that creates, in my opinion, that creates urgency and builds character in delaying the gratification to a point where you fully deserve it because you have tangibly put the work in to earn your spot. A lot of the dollars we're seeing thrown around are are kind of a hope and a kind of a, a package deal to assume that this player is going to pan out. And say you earn much money and then you get hurt. Or say you earn a whole lot of money and then you slack off and, and don't win the job and don't pan out and don't make the league and a whole list of don'ts. I mean, there's a long history of guys who come into money and can't handle it. And that, I fear, is where we're going. So they read it right, in my estimation, and a lot more families should follow suit. I think it's definitely the right approach, especially for a guy that I think is going to have a chip on his shoulder and I think is going to be someone who's going to do really well at Texas. Um, You look at all these players uh, throughout this entire history since NIL has come to light where they have all this money, but they're not as good as some of the other players on the field, but they get paid a lot by this NIL stuff. And I think for Arch Manning, it is the right approach. Like, you are not going to get NIL money until you are the starting quarterback. And I think eventually he will be the starting quarterback, but that is a conversation for a different day. Because I still think yours is a great quarterback, and it is still his job as of right now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and with head coach Sarkeesian over there, there's always the question of whether Sark is capable of pulling a maneuver that no one expects. He's done it many a time. But for now, it looks like it's yours, and Texas improved last year. And they should improve again this year if all goes according to plan. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like, no one ever got hurt by taking a little bit more time to develop your game. Yeah. That, that doesn't I, – I don't care what you say. I don't – it's not right now so much about missing the window – it's about working him into, and right now I'm talking about Arch. It's worth it to work him into being the best version of himself. And it will take a minute. 
Like, you know, he's not a finished product. And that's okay. Yeah. Like, look at quarterbacks of the past, like Connor Cook. He took time to develop. Um, he had to go under Andrew Maxwell's um, mentorship, and he turned out to be really well. Uh, Joe Burrow, as well, was at Ohio State, and then he transferred to LSU, and then well, we all but, know what happened. He won the Heisman Trophy. So, yes, but that's a little bit different from the standpoint of that quarterback room he was behind was just ridiculous. The Ohio I mean, State one? Yes. Yeah. It doesn't happen like that yeah. all the time. That's funny, though, that you bring up Cook and Maxwell because think about Michigan State. Who of those two do you think of first when you associate them with Michigan State football? Connor Cook. Right. Yeah. Could it be that Ewers is simply, and I don't want to discredit what he has done or will do, but could it be that Ewers is a pawn for Texas taking a significant leap forward with Manning? That's storybook, but it's possible. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying. You know, it, a placeholder of sorts. Yeah, I might be wrong about this, but wasn't Ewers, he was the top-rated quarterback of, was it the 2021 class or 20 class? Because he was one of the, I think, best quarterbacks in one of those recruiting classes. So yeah. You have two guys that are five stars and were one of the best quarterbacks in their class. Correct? 21. 21. Yeah. And he, uh, like, it's ironic about um, how you just use Burrow as an example because Ewers was Ohio State commit and enrolled. Yeah. <laughs> and then he transferred. Uh huh. Yeah. Hmm. Who knew? Yeah. But yeah, like you have two quarterbacks that are five stars, were one of the top rated quarterbacks in their class. So yours is a good guy. I mean, he's a really good quarterback. Arch Manning has all his talent as well. So it's just going to come down to who is going to give Texas the best chance to win a Big 12 championship and win a national title. Again, we don't want to speculate. But it's going to be a lot of fun to watch this Texas team next year with these two quarterbacks. Can I run down the offer sheet for Ewers? Yeah, just because of course. I, yeah, I ran into this, this is hilarious. You like get ready to have your ears blown out. Ohio State, Texas, Alabama, Arizona State, Auburn, Baylor, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Miami, Michigan, Michigan State, Mississippi State, Missouri, NC State, North Texas, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, Penn State, SMU, TCU, Tennessee, Texas A&M, Texas State, USC, Virginia Tech, Washington, Washington State, Arkansas, South Carolina. (laughs) That's a lot. And Arch Manning, (laughs) I'm sure, had a pretty long list, too, because he was like, I know Ole Miss was going after him, obviously because Eli played there. Yeah, I think Tennessee went yes. after him as well. Yes, Alabama, any S- Clemson, I think too. Yes. Any SEC school that you could, big time SEC school that you can name. Yes, I'm not sure if Ohio State and Michigan went after them. I'm sure they did, but still, like both highly recruited kids had a bunch of schools that wanted them, and then they just happened both of them to end up at Texas. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Hmm. And uh, actually, here's what's funny is 
I'm reading an article right now from the Austin American Statesman. The headline is, Arch Manning has turned his back on NIL money, but not on football, his team, or priorities. Number one, privilege, priorities, and putting football over money. I love that attitude. Uh-huh. Yep. Wow. Does yours have any NIL uh, dealings? Let's see. Quinn Ewers NIL valuation. Let's see here. NIL profile, 701,000 annual value, according to On3. Vanguard Volkswagen, Sonic, and Luches. Excuse me if I'm botching that. Bootmaker. So, yes, a boot company, Emporium, as it were. Uh, Quinn Ewers and Xavier Worthy sign NIL with Sonic. Austin Volkswagen dealership continues to sign NIL deals with key Texas Longhorn players. He's ranked 34th in college football NIL. He's ranked 52nd on the NIL 100, according to On3. And his value has decreased by 10.1 thousand. Interesting. His overall following is 150 on Instagram, thousand. 4.8 on TikTok and 54,000 on Twitter. For some reason, his value has decreased by the 10,000 number in the last week. Really don't know what to make of that. No. Yeah. You know whose uh, NIL valuation has decreased, like, so severely it's not even funny? Can I tell you a guess? Yeah. Is it, uh, like, a quarterback or a wide receiver? Outside of football. Oh, outside of football. Basketball. Uh Uh-huh. Who is it? Brawny. Really? His NIL value has decreased by 1.3 million. Wow. Why? 1.5 million. I read that wrong. I don't imagine his dad has anything to do with it. Hmm. Hmm. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, he has deals with Nike, Beats by Dre, and Fast X, yeah. which he just inked on April 17th. But his value has gone down from 7.4 to 5.9 in one week. That is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I wonder what the reasoning behind that is. Arch Manning's value is two point one million and he is not allowed to sign. Yeah. <laughs> Come on, man. Yeah. Oh my goodness. But you brought up the fact that Arch Manning is more focused on football and the game rather than the NIL dealings. Yeah. And that is a rarity That's that how I it think we be. see in college sports. 
specifically today. You got all these players that are just focused on the NIL stuff rather than playing on the court, and I or playing on the court at least in basketball, and then playing on the field in football. Um, that I think is really important, um, and I think that's a great trait that Arch Manning has. He's committed to Texas. He is committed to make Texas better. And he's going to be focusing on football first and try to bring Texas to a place that they haven't been in five, ten years. Yes. Or Which, maybe longer. Maybe longer than that. Yeah. Because we know they've had a couple of years where they were like, they weren't like really good, but they were competing for Big 12 championships. They haven't had like a year where they were complete, competing for like a national championship in like ten years. And that's something that I think he wants to accomplish there. Definitely. And something that people are maybe expecting them to accomplish there. Maybe so. Yep. Lofty goals. Yep. How much time are we at? We are we are at 36 minutes. We should probably move on. Do we want to go for the last one? I think we can. Okay. I think if we make it quick, quick we can. Okay. Uh, David Stone is going to be our last topic. David Stone is someone that the Spartans would love to add to their 2024 defensive class. Other schools that are going after Stone include LSU, Miami, Oregon, and Oklahoma, where he recently visited and was seen wearing a Michigan State hat in Oklahoma. So, And Stone has also de- delayed his commitment. Like We have no idea when this guy is going to commit. I know you mentioned like a couple weeks ago that he said, I believe, on was it Instagram that he said, like, I'm committing today? Yeah. And then he never committed. Yeah, and then proceeded to not say anything about it. Exactly. Like, what is he doing? <laughs> like, come on, man. What are you doing? <laughs> so, first of all, where do you see him committing, like, eventually going? And if he does commit to Michigan State, how can he help the Michigan State Spartans, especially on defense, because they need that? So you're right. They absolutely do. And the focal point in the leadership of the Spartan defense has come from, over time, the pass rushers. Um, now, of course, there was the no-fly zone in the yep. back end. I, that's not, I'm not for a second discrediting what that was. They have a great history of pass rushers. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, so they've had good corners and safeties in the back end. To create the no-fly zone. But think about guys like Shalit Calhoun. Who had the best face mask ever. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Those guys made a completely, completely just uh, outstanding contribution to Michigan State. Yeah. And, you know, I think... David Stone would be a complete blue chip, like wonderful player to have. It's kind of hard to say anything else because of what he's shown he can do. And IMG football products are NFL ready. That's true every year. He's 6'4", 270, which is interesting. I, I'm curious about that, is how much does he gain in terms of weight? Does he grow at all? Because that's not undersized necessarily, but it's kind of approaching that category. But he's ranked eighth nationally, second on the defensive line, and the third recruit overall to come out of Florida. 
here's how it breaks down, though, recruiting-wise. He's listed as warm to LSU, Miami, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Oregon, and Texas A&M. Michigan State lost a recruiting battle to Miami over the Pancake Honcho, also known as, and I love that nickname, also known as Samson Okanlola. Michigan State was linked to Okanlola because of a connection with a recruit that transferred in here from Norfolk State as a tight end. That's not the conversation at hand, though. Out of these couple schools, he's visited Oklahoma, he's visited Miami, he's visited Michigan State and Oregon. If you've done that, and you have four that are your top four, which a visit typically demarcates that they're of high value for you. I look at Oregon, and I look at Michigan State. Honestly, that's where I sit. I think that maybe Oklahoma makes a push, and the reason they would is because Venables is a defensive-minded coach, and Oklahoma has a storied history of pass rushers as well. Oregon doesn't necessarily, and they're not defensive-minded necessarily, but they're becoming more defensive-minded under landing. I think if David Stone were to go to Oregon, he would be DeForest Buckner, basically, which is huge. Yeah. Buckner has filled up the middle for the 49ers (laughs) for pretty well, pretty dang well. He's made that defense very good. Uh Uh-huh. Um... I think it's Oregon, Oklahoma, and Michigan State. I think that Miami loses out, and I don't think there's been any link to LSU necessarily. In fact, there's no one even listed in terms of his primary or secondary recruiters from LSU or Miami. So it's Michigan State, Oklahoma, Oregon, in my estimation. The lead expert here predicts Oklahoma, Steve Wiltfong on 247 Sports, 60% Oklahoma, 40% Michigan State is what this is showing. And past that, I don't know. I'm, I'm not happy with the way he's handled his business, and I, I'm not sure any coach would be excited about this as a in terms of a a character thing. Because if you decide that you have your list narrowed down, then narrow it down. Don't drag it along. Yeah. Don't tell schools they're still in the running that aren't. Don't do that. Also, if you're on a visit somewhere else, say you're on a visit to Oklahoma. What in the world are you doing wearing a Michigan State hat on your Oklahoma visit when they're still Uh, well in the running for your talents? Yeah. What, like, 
That is inconceivable to me. That is so disrespectful. I think he was just doing that for attention. Yeah, I do too. But if that's true, I don't want that. Yeah, no, you don't. Because what happens if he becomes a primary force for one of these programs? Where does he go now? What happens to the attitude? Mm -hmm. What do his mentals do to infiltrate the locker room? Maybe it's nothing to make a big deal out of, but maybe it's something. I personally, I am displeased with A, the fact that he's delayed this long, and B, the fact that he's continuously made a fool out of himself on the national media wavelengths by wearing different schools' gear on certain visits. Like, there's no room for that. Yeah, um, totally unacceptable the way he has acted during this whole, like, recruiting process and where he wants to commit. If you're going to set a date, a deadline, where you know you are going to commit, you have to meet that deadline. You can't push it off. You got to make it happen because all these schools are going to be ready for you to commit. And you set a date, they're going to be ready for you They're going to be ready for a phone call saying that you're coming and to not receive that phone call saying that you're not even like committing that day is just totally unacceptable. You know, what's weird to me. So I'm looking at two, four, seven, as I've said, guess who is on the bottom of his offer sheet? Michigan. Michigan's on there, but certainly not the bottom. Who's on the bottom? Tulsa. <laughs> but you know what's even funnier? Tulsa didn't register an offer to him, but yet they're still on the list. Interesting. I, I'm not even going to dive into that, but <laughs> yeah, I don't know no. what that would be. Yeah. Listen to this, and then we'll get finished here. because. But I do want to leave on this, an emphatic note. David Stone, defensive lineman, 6'4", 270, class of 24, eighth-ranked player, five-star, 99.6 rating on 247 composite. Here is the interest list that he's drawn. LSU, Miami, Michigan State, Oklahoma, Oregon, Texas A&M, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Baylor, Colorado, Florida, Florida State, Georgia Tech, Iowa State, Kentucky, Louisville, Memphis, Michigan, Missouri, Nebraska, Notre Dame, Ohio State, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, SMU, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Texas Tech, USC, Washington, Wisconsin. I'm out of breath. Yep. And Tulsa and Abilene Christian. (laughs) Just somehow are there. After the creme de la creme. Tulsa and Abilene Christian. They're non-factors. It's it's between Oklahoma, Oregon, and Michigan State. I believe that to be true. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's going to come down those three. Yeah. And with that, we've reached the end of the year. Handwork, yes, we have. take us home, boy. Yeah, so um, we just thank you guys for uh, listening over this uh, past semester and this past year, obviously, and it's just been a blast, and um, we hope to catch you uh Sometime over the summer, I know we're going to have plans to do this over the summer at some, in some capacity, but we hope to catch you back here next year in the Impact 
sports studio. And with that, I just wanted to add, we're extending to YouTube over time, and we'll have to, actually, when we do this as a show from different areas of the country. Of course, I'm going back to Oregon. A couple of our guys will be here in Michigan. Yep. And uh, even though they'll be separate, Grand Rapids to Gross Point, not easy to do. Uh, and we'll continue to churn on. We're hoping to do content. We've got TikTok. We've got Twitter. We've got Instagram. So check us out there if you can. HTB pod, HTB underscore pod. And uh, this is Handwork and Rec signing off for the last time. Yeah. Have a great summer, guys. Yeah. That is all from the Impact Sports Studio. You can catch us live Wednesdays at 3 p.m. on 88.9 The Impact for more collegiate sports betting analysis.